Hello, and welcome to the Modcast. A podcast where we watch Pokemon and Digimon in tandem, and discuss the similarities and differences that they share. My name is Stevie. And my name is Sam. And the score currently stands at 28-25 to Digimon. And this time, we are watching episode 54, Princess vs. Princess, and The Fate of Two Worlds. <laughs> first episode we are watching is The Fate of Two Worlds. As the kids defeat Apocalymon and the digital world gets restored, they start to make plans to stay there for a long time. Unfortunately, the connection between both worlds is collapsing and they must return to the human world soon, otherwise they might never be able to return home. Or Stevie's version, the end. It starts off with just evolutions. <laughs> All of them. Screeching noises and evolutions, and there's at least a minute's worth of it. Uh, not really. They're all super, super short. I checked on my time. Like, it had a minute. It was just over a minute, even though they cut all the things short. Well, that's fine. Still, like, the start of an episode, the start of the final episode, it's just, like, lots of screeching and then evolution. I still don't know what the screeching noise is. It's the Digivices, apparently, having some sort of episode. It doesn't sound like screeching to me. It sounds weird. It's very noticeable. I think the weirdest part about it is the split screen of the warped evolutions because it's just massive black bars. Oh yeah, yeah, I noticed they didn't really scale it and it was just like, there were two tiny images in the middle of this black void. It was weird. So yeah, they all evolved to their highest forms. Then all the kids are riding on their Digimon partners, rushing towards Apocalymon. Or more specifically, Apocalymon's face. To the tiny humanoid part of this giant shape. It zooms in on his face an awful lot. It was really cool though. I liked how everybody was just riding or travelling with their partners to battle instead of just standing. Well, most of them are riding. Some of them are being pulled along by their arms. Like Mimi. I think it might be just Mimi. Why doesn't Mimi just like hold on to her legs? Because that would be too easy. Where is the TK by the way? I was about to say, I don't think we saw TK. Maybe he's in his arms? Magna Rangemon did his Gate of Destiny, so if TK wasn't there, where was he? I don't know. I didn't notice the small child. They just animated him on Magna Rangemon's back, where you can't see him. He says Gate of Destiny, and TK's like, I'm also here. And TK just launches out of it and attacks. Maybe TK got pulled into it. Except we know that he didn't, because he shows up later. So yeah, they're all attacking Apocalymon, and Lilymon literally throws Mimi into the air. Into the void. To uh, do its attack, because they can't create a new bit of animation for Lilymon's attack. They have to reuse the same bit of footage. So Mimi just gets flung into the air. It's quite cool, because they're being quite tactical, and covering the kids when someone's attacking. For example, when Garudamon attacks... Obviously, Sora can't still be with Garudamon because Garudamon becomes a winged fire blob and Sora would just be burnt to death. So Garudamon's like, she says it to, I think it's Metal Kabutariamon, that uh, just cover Sora whilst I attack. And she does that. And I think they do it in another time as well. It's a very fast and dynamic battle. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's probably the best display of teamwork that we've seen throughout the whole series. This is probably the best fight Considering it was short, it was the best 
fight that we've had, which is just everybody attacking effectively. It's not like when they fought Devimon, which was just everybody's just jumping at him and then getting knocked back, or against Myotismon, which was just everybody gets their ass kicked. Yeah, even against Dark Masters, it was small skirmishes of maybe one or two Digimon, except Piedmon, but then that just became a, a mess. This was quite final bossy. They're just rushing up and attacking certain places and, and focusing fire in areas. It's quite good. I quite liked it even though it was maybe a, a couple of minutes long. Yeah, it was really short, but that was okay, because it turned out alright for the rest of the episode to not be fighting. They probably couldn't keep the animation up for the whole episode. I did actually notice how nice it looked. I don't know whether it was because of the lighting, how they didn't need like it to be super bright or anything, but it did just look quite nice. I'm glad it was short, though, because the rest of the episode is much better. They almost had to get rid of Apocalymon just to do the bit of paperwork, get it out of the way, and then to get with the good stuff. So they defeat him, and he decides that he's going to blow up both worlds because he can do that. So instead of doing that from the start, because that's what he wants to do, he had to do all this other stuff instead. It's a suicide attack. It's like explosion in Pokemon. Essentially, yeah. I mean, so how does he know he has this attack? How does he have this attack? Why, who would have this attack? It's an attack where you die and everything else as well. Oh, never going to use that. Well, if he's dying anyway, and he's just bitter, then he's going to use it. Which I don't get, because in the last episode, he says that he's suffering and pain and stuff, and do the kids think he could ever coexist with everybody? And the kids were like, yeah, man, that's cool. Just, you know, welcome to reality. Just come chill with us. He's like, no, I will kill myself and everyone around me. It's so dramatic, listening to his Linkin Park and, and having feelings and wearing all the black. He's just an angsty teenager. That's what Apocalymon is. Well, he's the apocalypse incarnate. He's been made to end everything. That sounds like someone's OC. This is my OC, Apocalypse Mon, and it is the Apocalypse Incarnate, but I can control it. But I don't know, but it fills with turmoil. Ugh, feelings. I would love to meet the tamer that tames Apocalymon. Just like, this is my Digimon. His best attack is the one where he explodes and everybody dies. This is my partner, Apocalymon. I have a house on one of its shoulders because it's so big. I can't feed it because it eats the remains of failed Digivolutions. It's a nightmare. Its attacks are other deceased Digimon and also it exists in constant agony so, you know, I'm kind of failing as a tamer because it's in constant pain. I kind of wanted a Palmon but this is what I got. On the bright side, it makes great puns. It has got hot and cold running water. That's all you need. That's all you need. None of the other Digimon that the kids have have hot and cold running water. Exactly. What can they even do? Nothing. They're just dumb. I mean, they've got a hammer and flowers and some metal. No, have they got hot and cold running water? I don't think so. What's the point of them? Matt tells Apocalymon to face it like a man. So instead of doing that, Apocalymon self-destructs and explodes. By shrinking down into the tiniest size and then becoming a ball of white that expands. Pretty much. But the kids aren't having this, so they start talking with a white background as their crests, like, flash across them. Crests. Development. <laughs> as opposed to what you actually would be doing, which is what I thought Joe would be doing, which is just screaming in sheer terror as the world collapses around you. I'm certain Joe says something along the lines of, I'm being sick, or I'm going to throw up, or I'm going to faint. He says that after, yeah. It seems like every other line from Joe is, oh my god, I'm going to be unconscious. Which is fine, he's a sensitive boy. But yes, they all crest. Crest happens, and then Digivice happens. Yeah, and we see a shot of every single person's Digivice screeching, and they're floating by themselves, so did they just disappear and reappear in those places? I don't know. It would have been cool to see the Digivices, like, shake, and then fire off the kids, like, the kids, like, 
just lose grip of them because they're firing away. They just fly away. Basically, yeah, it would have been kind of cool instead of just them having them and then suddenly they're floating by themselves. But they create this light cage which traps the explosion and saves both worlds. There's probably lots of things where you gather all the gems and then it creates cubism to save the world. Gather all the things and create cubism. (laughs) Cubism to save the world. Yes. Save the world with cubism. Do you know what this is? Because Apocalymon is like, I think he's 12-sided or something like that, isn't he? And then they defeat him with a cube. This is Geometry Wars. That's all this is. Is this just the standard six-sided dice going, no, D12s, they're too complicated? Yeah, basically. I bet Apocalymon was actually a D20, a dodecahedron in 3D. I don't know how many sides he has, but that's a lot of them. What dice is Apocalymon? <laughs> yes, that's the question. What dice is Apocalymon? Bet it'll say on Wikipedia. So basically, Apocalymon rolls a four, and then the, the Digestin roll a six, and they win. He's a d12 looking at him. Ooh, he has a creepy mode. Creepy mode? What? Oh no, that's just a close-up of his body with hot and cold running water. Creepy mode? So apparently there's Apocalymon, and then there's Apocalymon creepy mode, which is the emo on top. I forgot that he does that thing where the side expands a bit more yeah that's where all the third tentacles come from he's a weird digimon very weird yeah but his nuke fails is sealed inside of the d6 he has a, a critical fail yes he does then ogamon runs up to the kids just from somewhere <laughs> and it's like whoa you did it yeah from the void <laughs> from the void emerges andromon and ogamon and also etamon being carried by andromon which is so cute wait etamon sorry i meant electmon they just run from over somewhere they just witnessed this all happen and didn't decide to help <laughs> they just had popcorn they could have come over and helped considering there's like what at least one ultimate there and then at least one champion and rookie and whatever mechanorimon is i think mechanorimon's a champion they all appear and they're saying what's happening like the kids say what do we do now because we're basically floating in nothingness and jenna's like we'll look down and conveniently from right underneath them the wall doesn't appear around them the wall appears below them but they're really high up which makes no sense because they fell into the void so as the digital world above them like disappeared and is now being rebuilt below them for some reason also does this count as a reboot well mimi says that everybody will be reborn and she even mentions wizardmon and jenna says yes but apparently all the all the digimon from the past are coming back so does this mean that this is like a reboot well he doesn't mention any of the evil digimon coming back so i think it's just all of the digimon that was slaughtered by the dark masters are being reborn as digi eggs this scene is a bit weird when you've watched o2 and try we won't talk about it for spoilers and stuff but like this scene adds a lot of interesting stuff to the canon but i I assume it's only in the dub i'm not 100 percent sure but there's just a line saying that this is like it's essentially restarting from the beginning yeah they've turned it off and on again so maybe this counts as a reboot i don't know no zero two is a reboot so they go back to primary village where it's literally raining hundreds of eggs which is terrifying because how are they all going to survive there's literally just an elecmon to take care of all of them he can do it of hundreds of eggs more like thousands it's every digimon that got destroyed and now they're all on this one island i assume that the server and everything has their own and pretty soon jenny just says it will start at this island and then from this island the rest of the world will grow true okay that's unfortunate for elecmon yeah let's hope none of these eggs grow too quickly I'm trying to think of what the biggest champion level Digimon is. Waymon? If they all just become Waymon. And then they all evolve into another Waymon because that can happen. So Ogamon decides to leave because he's a virus type and can't be around vaccine and data types. He does an impersonation of that episode where James becomes a samurai and wanders off. I think it's just a trope in Japanese 
culture. Yeah, but it's really weird in Digimon where costumes and things don't usually happen. I think it was just it, it's a joke. It's a it's a it's a joke, but it doesn't really explain itself. He could have just left. Would have been fine. But he gets the wandering outfit with the hat that covers the eyes and all that stuff. So they all laugh and then they head to the trolley by the lake. Oh wait, they take a photo. Oh yeah, they uh, take a photo together, which is a photo that's in try a little bit. Like you see little hints of it. I'd love to know where Andromon prints this from. From himself? I'm assuming he's got a printer installed if he's got a camera. I assume it comes out of his butt crack. Why? Because that's like the closest thing to where a printer would come out. It could come out of a slot on his like chest or something. Where do you have a slot? On your body. Okay, but I also don't have robotic arms that turn into spikes, and I don't have boob cannons, so... Maybe it comes out of the back of his head, or it just materialises? I don't know. Nope, I think that Andromon just prints it out his butt. Or maybe he sends it via Wi-Fi to Mechanorimon, who can print it out. Then Mechanorimon prints it out his butt. Not everything has to come out of the butt. Prints of photos do. But I think that's enough butt talk. Yep. Once they take the photo, they go back to the lake with the trolley car. I think this is the first time we've seen it since the third episode. Yeah, basically. So it's a long time ago now. Everyone's relaxing and chilling out with their partners and Joe's talking too much about lots of stuff, which I take that he's a bit nervous, so he's just going to keep talking. Yeah, no one's really saying much. They keep saying how they can come back here and everything. But then altogether they decide to stay and say that time's weird and that they could stay for a long time. And Izzy says it's about 110 years. I tried to do the math earlier, but I either got confused or lost. Well, they said like one day in the digital world was one minute in the real world. Yeah, so if you put uh, 60 for the minutes in an hour times 24 times 7 for a week times 4 for the four weeks... That's 40,320 days in the digital world. Divided by 365? It's about 110 and a half years. Okay, yeah, it's about 110 years-ish, give or take. Which, you know, I would be happy to do. Just 110 years living in a world where you don't age or anything, you can have adventures and then you have to come back and do real world stuff. I'd like to watch it because I think they'd go insane. Imagine they come back and they've got 110 years worth of life experience. They would not be kids anymore. They'd come back home like, oh... Hello, family. I've spent the last 110 years in a weird world full of monsters. I'm not sure how real world works now, because it's not been so long. It'd be quite an interesting, just, experiment. Just to watch these kids go back to reality? No, like, how they change over the 110 years. They'd essentially become 120-year-old children. Like, would they still mature sexually? No, no, I think I think mentally they would mature. Like, imagine... They'd run out of things to do eventually, and I think they'd all start banging each other. Uh, can we not? Uh, Stevie, please, that, that, they're 10 or 11. Uh. No, they're not. I reckon they'd be about 70 at that point. No, they, w- they wouldn't physically age. Their body doesn't age in the digital world. Yeah, but they'd still age mentally. Yeah, but you don't age into puberty mentally, but it's a chemical reaction that changes your body. Well, I think they'd get very bored. They would. I think they would become mentally more mature, but they wouldn't become, like, physically mature. We don't know. We'll never know. I'm asking the tough questions, like, where did Andromon print his photos? And would the kids sleep with each other if they aged to 120 but didn't change physically? Absolutely not. Would the Digimon get involved? I'm trying to have a really sensible, really good last episode of this season, and you're turning it it's absolute filth. I'm just trying to have fun. You're being filth. You're being pure, pure filth about this kid's show. 
But we are coming at it from a more adult perspective. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that we have to talk about the kids having sex. I did not bring up sex. I just mentioned sleeping with each other. That could just mean lying down next to each other. No, you said that they start banging. You said the word banging, and we know exactly what that means in British vernacular. Well, it could also just mean that they start hitting things. (laughs) They just start running at each other, trying to kill themselves because they've just had it with this world. Okay, let's move on. So there's an eclipse happening, and Janaya says that it's the bridge between both worlds closing, and they have to return, otherwise they'll be stuck here forever, and that they've got essentially two hours to say their goodbyes, which, you know, is still a fair amount of time. It's better than, okay, you've got... 20 seconds say goodbye now bye they've got two hours that's that's quite a decent amount of time you could you know go for a bit of a walk go have a nice meal sit down get everything discussed and then have enough time to go and get on that trolley car and and go away or the opposite side could be get those digimon on that trolley car get back to the real world i mean to be honest what the digimon got waiting for them in the digital world they haven't exactly got homes and families they've got each other they literally were created to spend time with, like, to be with those kids. So go and do that. Just go and do it. What, what are you going to miss from, from the digital world, really? The world full of babies. Just, just leave. I think in the real world, they'd just be relegated to the role of house pet, and it wouldn't be a fun existence for them. It would be house pet. They get to chill out and be with their humans. Yeah, when they're not at school. You can't just go into school and go, here's my dinosaur. You know, they're not at school all the time. They've got four weeks of summer left. The families know about Digimon because of the destruction that happened around them. They could be like, yeah, these were some of the ones that saved us. Here they are. They live with us now, mom. I'm just like, okay, is it going to become a big one again and destroy everything? No. Mm, okay, I don't feel safe. And then you become a social outcast. And then you have to start your own island with the Digimon. And they just recreate File Island in the real world. But yeah, I mean, if I had two hours to talk to my partner before them potentially never seeing them again, I would have been like, look, I understand that this is your world, but you said you spent all your life waiting for me. Why don't you just stay with me? You can come to the human world. It'll be really cool. You can play video games, eat some food. It'll be great. Or you can stay here with these weirdos and babies. I'd have two hours to convince them. And I'm pretty sure if they were my partner, they'd be like, yeah, man, let's do that. Or they'd be like, sorry, but the writers want it to be sad at the end. And you'd be like, what? There's, there's writers for my life? What's happening? What's going on? So yeah, everybody now goes off and starts to spend their own little time with their partners, saying goodbye. It starts with Sora and Beamon. They're in a tree, saying how, essentially, because she spent time with Beamon, she now understands how her mother feels and how she's okay to express emotions and, and feel love for things. And they cry, and it's cute. And then they have a little cry, and it is it was quite nice. I, I really like this part of the episode. We get Joe with Gomamon saying that Gomamon should make new friends when Joe's gone. And Gomamon says that he already put an ad out for new friends, and he's got five interviews the next day. And I thought that was really funny, because it's them essentially going, you know, you should move on and be realistic about this. And Gomamon's just like, yeah, I'm being realistic. I've got like five new friends waiting for me. Government's just got an infinite supply of fishes to be his friend. Oh yeah, he's got his little marching fishes. Fish can't march. They can do something. But they can't march. This is something I've learnt today. (laughs) Fish can't march? What are you on about? I've never thought of that before. But can they parade? You're asking the deep questions now. I am. The bomb of the sea questions. Who have we got after that? It's Izzy and Tentamon. I feel kind of like really sorry for... Is he because his job at the moment is to repair the trolley to get them to return home. So he's not really spending that time with Tentamon fully. He's busy working, but maybe that's what Izzy likes doing. But also, it's kind of tragic that he's got still got a job to do. Well, it's what Izzy likes doing as well. 
And no doubt Tentamon's helping. But Izzy says that he loves Tentamon and Tentamon gets absolutely shocked by it. And I thought that was really cute. It's like, oh my God, you showed emotions. Uh, I thought that was quite cute in their own little dork way. And then it cuts to the best two people. TK and Patamon are just the best. Just sat there absolutely bawling their eyes out. And they're like, oh, I'm sad and I'm crying. Well, I'm crying because you're crying. I'm crying because you're crying. Why are we crying then? And they both realise it's dumb and they stop. Our kids are funny. And then they make a promise to see each other again, which is super cute. Yeah, we'll see each other again. Yeah, let's promise each other that we'll do that. And I'm like, they're the little kids. And we do see Patamon again next season, which I'm actually super happy about because Patamon is my favourite. We get two seasons of Patamon and this makes me very happy. And next up, it's Matt and Gabumon. And just like in the flashbacks in the White Void, they're not really saying anything to each other because they already know everything that they could possibly say. So Gabumon just asks Matt to play the harmonica. And I really like Matt's harmonica. Yeah, it's quite good. I mean, it's... It's a cool skill to have. Makes him super cool. It's an interesting character point. Yeah, this harmonica comes up a lot. What's interesting is that the harmonica is usually associated with being isolated and lonely. But as the series has gone on, Matt starts playing his harmonica for other people more. Like mainly Gabumon. So it's like him playing the harmonica for Gabumon is showing how he's grown as a person and how their friendship has built as he's let other people in. It's good, and also it's a good harmonica song. Next up is Ty, who is actually crying, but doesn't really tell Agumon. Agumon's like, are you crying? And Ty's like, no, look, let's, let's have a little moment. And they're talking about how Agumon's aim with his pepper breath still off. And Agumon's like, do you mean that? And then it's Kari and Gatumon. And Kari gives Gatumon her whistle and says it also works as a flea collar. I'm like, Really? I don't think that's a thing that you can sell. It's a it's a whistle and flea collar. That's not a thing. That's not a good joke. That doesn't work. What even is a flea collar? A collar that's got like a powder on it or like a, it's mixed with a material that repels fleas. Like it makes them not be there because it makes them feel sick and stuff. Which would be a weird thing to put in a whistle that you put in your mouth. But Kari says that it'll be goodbye till next time and Gatomon's confused and Kari's smiling, being super confident that there will be a next time. Which there might be. I think there just might be. But I like how TK and Kari are both the ones that say they'll promise to meet again next time and stuff. She's a nice little spoiler for season two. And then last but not least is Mimi, who's looking for Palmon, who's left in a huff because she doesn't want to say goodbye, which I think is really sad. It is heart-wrenching. For once, Mimi's crying about something other than her feet being sore. It is quite sad that uh, they don't really get a proper goodbye. Everyone's boarding the trolley and Mimi is absolutely distraught and the trolley starts to drive off and everyone's waving goodbye. And then Palmon just bursts out of the forest. It's like, Mimi, Mimi, oh my God, I'm so sorry, Mimi. And Mimi's like, no, it's okay. It's absolutely fine. Understand. So instead of having a two hour conversation, they have to jam it into like the 20 seconds as the trolley's running away. And I'm like, that's quite them. I can see that being them. They don't have the conversation and then like they realise that they actually have to do it so they push it all down into like three sentences. And then Mimi's hat flies off and flips in the air and Hey Digimon starts playing. And I'm actually okay with it playing this time. I'm not. Really? It's supposed to be a sad moment where they have to part ways and instead it's Hey Digimon, Hey Digimon. It kills the sad vibe it was going for. To me, it's more like a, yeah, that was a fun adventure we had. Off they go to do something else. But it's like, it's not just the, the chorus as well. It's the, the actual song, which I quite like. I'm glad it wasn't just the Hey Digimon bit. What I'm not so happy about is the amount of times that they just repeat the same animations while this song's playing. Just back and forth between the trolley and the Digimon running with a super pixelated background behind them. Yeah, and then back to the kids, and then back to them running and stuff. Saying goodbye. And then it ends with... 
a shot of some train crossing lights opening up in a field and then Ty saying that they'll return again at some point. The end. The end. And yeah, that's the end of adventure. Cool. Favourite thing? The lake. The lake? Yes. I really like the lake. Okay. It's weird how they give a location so much meaning throughout the series just by the characters returning there. I thought you meant like the actual lake. You mean like the location of it being like what it stands for? Yeah, like, it, it's where the adventure started and it's where the adventure ends as well. It's also called Dragon Eye Lake and it's in Digimon World. Yeah, that's a cool thing as well. But yeah, I suppose I suppose it is sort of where everything kicks off because it's where they fought Cedramon and they decide, they they started learning that they can all evolve to these high... Form. They had Greymon, but, you know. It's where they first camped out. It's where they spent their first night in the digital world. And then, like, yeah, to end it there with this one place that they saw and it was like, oh, this is weird for it to be something important, which is the way home. Like, they were so close to the way home, they literally spent the first night there on the thing that takes them home. But then they had to do all this stuff. Good. It's something that Pokemon doesn't have is recurring locations that you can become attached to and that you can link meaning to that's true yeah they, they constantly go to do the next thing and explore the new thing with digimon it's more you know they can return to these places good my favorite thing was the goodbyes because they were all really sweet and showed everyone's different personalities and how they deal with these little things like matt and gabimon not really saying much but, but playing some music and chilling out tk and patamon just bawling their eyes out for no reason <laughs> and then Mimi and Palmon both reacting in a, in a way like Palmon reacts like Mimi would, which would be to just avoid it. But because Mimi's grown up a bit more, she's like, actually, no, let's actually say goodbye. Overall thoughts? It had a few problems, but overall it was still a pretty satisfying conclusion to the series. It was okay. I mean, I remember being super emotional when I first saw this, but now I watch it and it does fill me with this massive wave of nostalgia. It is a very nostalgic episode to watch. Well, mostly the second half, even like the last 10 minutes. The first bit with Apocalypse kind of like, meh. It's not even the best part of the episode. It's just stuff that happens. Anything else you want to say about it or are we done? I'm glad it wasn't completely filled with ridiculous jokes and puns. True. I mean, the the best joke was uh, Joe and Goma one saying like, oh, you need to find new friends. It's fine. I've got friends lined up. I've got interviews for new friends. It's great. The only really bad joke was face it like a man. Yeah. Which just had to come up eventually in the series. I'm not sure if it's come up before. It probably has. <laughs> but it's a bad joke. The second episode we're watching is Princess vs. Princess. It's Princess Day, which means all the women can go shopping and eat sweet treats for a cheaper price. And also enslave men for the day. Misty and Jessie fight because they're the women in the show. And both have tragic sob stories surrounding dolls they didn't have as little girls. They both compete in the princess tournament, which surprisingly isn't just a beauty pageant, and Jessie uses the licky tongue she caught earlier to almost beat Misty, but not quite. So Misty gets the dolls and the date with the famous Italian guy that's the prize for some reason. It starts off in a city. In an unnamed city. It's always either a city or a forest. Or at least it's almost always a city or a forest. And it's Princess Day. Is this an actual day in Japan? I don't know. I didn't Google it. I'm going to Google it. I need to know if this is a real thing. I'm assuming it's a, it's a play on... It's not White Day. It's it's after White Day. White Day is when girls give boys chocolates. I assume it's like the one after that, which is when the guys give girls stuff. But maybe it's not exactly that because they couldn't do that specific day. It's probably some sort of Japanese festival that's been localised really badly, to the point where it's just full of stereotypes about women. 
Oh, yes. So Misty and Jesse are explaining Princess Day, which is the one day year where women rule. Did you notice that when Jesse is talking, there is a sign on a building behind her that literally says PMS? What's PMS again? I think it's called premenstrual. I thought it was something to do with periods. Yes, it stands for premenstrual syndrome, which is the chronic condition experienced by menstruating women, which is characterized by distressing physical, behavioral and psychological symptoms that regularly reoccur at their luteal phase of the menstrual cycle. So are they trying to subliminally say that Jessie's on her period in this episode? It tends to be people say that it's PMS when people are being, like, when women are being emotional, when they're being angry or upset or quote marks crazy. People say that, uh, oh, it's PMS happening. But I just felt of all the things they could have had on a sign behind somebody on Women's Day, where it's uh, an episode about women, had to be PMS. That is weird. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was a bit weird. They could have had literally anything, but no, just PMS. Bad choice. So we've got the city and it's got a montage of all the women buying stuff and it's all like super gendered stuff. Like it's all quote unquote feminine. So it's all little soft plush animals or pretty pink dresses. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not sure all the women want to buy things like that, which are for girls. I'd like to see the girls who are buying like, I don't know, trying to think of maybe they want to get a new car or sports stuff or tools to build things i don't know i'm really bad at gendered stuff it's all just really gendered if that's even a word (laughs) is it gender coded is that what it is when things are like when you when you see things like guns and you go that's for boys is that what is it called uh things being gender coded i have no idea (laughs) i'm not the most versed in this essentially it's stuff that typically would be seen for girls so i'm like okay well didn't have to i mean i know a couple people who would see all this stuff on princess day and be like i want none of this crap I don't want tiny fluffy bunnies. But yeah, it's all girly stuff. I don't like using the word girly, but you know what I mean. It's all very pink. <laughs> it's pink and soft and pretty, because girls are soft and pretty. And pink? Peach? But it depends. In this show, they're all, apart from Brock, because that's diversity. Brock's not a girl. Yeah, but everybody in the show is this, the same colour. Is pink. Everybody's a girl, except Brock. Also, all the men in these scenes are sad or struggling with carrying too much stuff. Like, okay, but where are the men who are super excited and happy about this day? Like, if I had a girlfriend and it was Princess Day, I would absolutely love it. Just going around being like, yes, your majesty, what are we doing now? I'm going to buy awesome stuff. And just essentially, it's a great it's a great big treat yourself day. And it would be so cool. But no, this is the 90s and Pokemon. So pink things and sad men. All the men will be oppressed. It's like the opposite of every other day of the year. I had a little rant about someone uh, the other day. Well, it's a day to celebrate women, but this 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 guy was just like, "Oh, International Women's Day," and then when I said, "Oh no, there is a Men's Day," oh, but it's just not as it's not as celebrated as it's like, yeah, because men are supposed to celebrate it, but they won't. It's because every day is International Men's Day. Essentially, yes. The gang are eating food and lots of food. Well, Misty's eating food because they're broke and the food is free or pretty cheap. Everything's cheaper for women. Ash and Brock have got like a single glass of juice each because they're just broke because they're essentially travelling hermits. Because they're men. So then Brock sees a woman going past. I think she's serving people. I think she's a waitress. And Brock goes and gets on one knee and asks if he can be her prince on this day. And she just immediately shoots him down by saying, oh, that's so sweet. When you're all grown up, you'll make some woman happy. And I'm like, yes, break his tiny little heart. It's got to be one of the best ways Brock has been shut down so far. So then he immediately starts eating food because he's sad. I was like, oh my god, he's eating his sorrows away. But he couldn't afford the food a second ago. But now they can because he's sad. Because it's a joke. He's trying to grow up faster. That's the joke. With food that he can't afford. 
<laughs> they forgot about that in like five seconds. They did. They absolutely did. But then we get to one of the best bits of the episode, which is Misty notices a sign. And oh my God, this sign. Did you, did you pause and look at the sign? No, I didn't. Okay. This sign is really bad. Let me list a few of the things. So it has a really badly drawn picture of a person where the head is looking in one direction, but the face is drawn slightly off. So the face is like, it's almost like the head is in a different position. So even though it looks like it's supposed to be of uh, a Fiorelli Cappuccino looking over his shoulder, but his face is like his head's facing another direction. Also, it's got the words gigantic written across it with like an, it's purple letters with an orange band as a background. That's all it says it on there, apart from it says Fiorella Cappuccino, but it's written in word art and it's quite clearly being added onto the shot. The font is like really soft curves, like it's, it's all round. And it's, 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 it's red with like a blue shadow, like a, a pale bluey, like aggressive aqua teal. Cyan. Cyan background. It's just, and you can tell it's quite clearly just been like added there with essentially PowerPoint. (laughs) And then it's got a really badly drawn star next to it. It's so bad. That was their design choice. (laughs) They just took that shot and then added some word art onto it because they just couldn't be asked. The name clips into gigantic in the middle of the poster. It does. (laughs) It's so bad. The colouring choices as well. It's just, it's red, red font with a cyan shadow background. Why? Why this? What's what's this advertising? It's advertising gigantic. It just says Fiorella Cappuccino, gigantic, and then that's just his face. You know what this is, don't you? What? This is him just advertising the size of his Richard. Oh my God! Can you not? Everything, everything has to be smut. Can it not be? Please, just for one episode. Well, what else is it supposed to be? It's just gigantic, and then a picture of him. Maybe it's talking about the sign. Maybe it's like, this sign is gigantic. Why did this only come up mid-conversation? She just goes, oh wait, this massive sign (laughs) across the road. Yeah, but that's not even the thing, though. It's this sign, and then that's not even the sign she's talking about. She's talking to one to, like, to the left of it, which if you look, like, a couple seconds later, and it cuts immediately to the left, and it's just, like, the most boring sign that says, big sale. Where's this sale? What's happening? These aren't adverts. These are just weird bits. It's just single words. So what we're getting is that Fiorello Cappuccino is acting in a film called Gigantic. Yeah, it doesn't say when it's coming out or anything like that. It's just the picture of the guy. It's just Gigantic picture of guy that is in the film gigantic you don't even know it's a film meanwhile somewhere in the world there is a big sale cuts to the next scene which is team rocket and it's the motto it starts but it's jesse in this real nice dress and earrings and james and meow for throwing confetti around her and the entire time they're doing the motto she keeps sliding off screen and coming back on in different outfits they're just doing the motto to themselves as usual. Why are they doing that? Is it practice? Is that what this is? They just do it sometimes. <laughs> But yeah, they're buying lots of stuff. And Jesse says that she's buying it for the boss to make him not be mad at them for messing up, even though he's charging it to the Team Rocket account, which is weird because if it's a giant crime syndicate and it just has an account, surely the police can just freeze its assets so they can't get the money. But no, they're just like, just charge it to the Team Rocket account. Oh yeah, because they just have it in like the bank of Kanto or whatever, the Team Rocket account. Oh, it's that crime syndicate and their little bank account with all their money in there. Goodness, if only there were laws that we could stop them having all this money. No, no, just there it is. It's under the name Team Rocket. How do they make their money? How do you get from stealing Pokemon to earning money? Selling rare Pokemon on the black market. To who? People who want 
rare Pokemon. I guess they wouldn't tell them that they're stolen. That would make good business sense for the Crown Syndicate. So suddenly a Lickitung appears out of nowhere and it just goes up to Jessie and eats all of the food that she's holding because she's holding like um, meats, spiced meats and stuff that is all wrapped up. But this Lickitung just eats all of it and goes over to the other gifts and opens them up and eats all the food, including some of the clothes, which it spits out onto the floor. And Jessie is very displeased with this Lickitung. Yeah, it just starts to leave and Jessie calls out Arbok to attack it, which immediately gets licked in the face and falls down because Lickitung's tongue paralyzes Pokemon. So Jessie just gets mad and throws a ball and catches it. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't even realize that she caught one. Like, since when? I don't remember this. I remember her having a Lickitung. Left my memory. I absolutely did not remember this. I was like, wait, what? She gets a Lickitung? When? Why? It's better than James, who just gets a Weeping Bell between episodes. She's just like, oh, this is where I left my Weeping Bell, which you didn't have. Whatever, it's fine. You know, we'd rather see Ash doing some other shenanigans. I think far in the distant future, in one of the future seasons, it'll have a flashback to James catching the Weeping Bell. It cuts back to misty who is in a store literally fighting with a bunch of women for clothes and it looks really bad they're all cat fighting yeah just grabbing bits of clothes and pulling it away from each other and i'm like no this is really bad you really shouldn't portray this but then i remember that i've been to places that this exact thing happens my friend got elbowed in the face she was buying a dress or a skirt somewhere and it was it was this sort of scenario and somebody just like grabbed it out of her hand and elbowed her in the face and i was like wow so misty's grabbing something else and it turns out that Misty and Jesse are both grabbing the same thing and Jesse offers to have a battle to settle who gets this and then some random woman just grabs it away from them both and they're telling her that they're going to fight for it and she just turns around and glares at them and I'm like, this is so awful. Like, you don't need to show that everybody being so gross and mean to each other. But it's Princess Day. Yeah, Princess Day where everybody can essentially attack each other to get the clothes that are on sale. Oh, women. It's a bit gross. So they let her keep the the garment because they'd rather not fight an angry woman. (laughs) Then there's an announcement that there's going to be a special event for for Princess Day. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't advertised or anything. It's literally just, there's an event where you can get these princess dolls and a photo with this cappuccino guy who is apparently important. He's so important that all these women just stampede through Ash and Brock to get to cappuccino guy. I didn't think about how odd it is that they're just announcing this in the middle of a shop. If there was an event for a day, surely they'd be like, this is a thing that's going to happen. Go to this location on this day. Come on, book tickets or whatever. No, it's just, by the way, guys, there's an event here and it's it's with this cappuccino. So you can win a photo and also these dolls, which, you know, okay. It does give us the best part of the episode, which is the second half which seems to completely forget about its Princess Day and everything. It just goes to, we're going to have a lady tournament with Pokemon, which I I, I really like. Speaking of going to the second half, up to this point I've been watching on Netflix, but this episode isn't on there, so I had to watch it somewhere else. And on YouTube, it still has the, who's that Pokemon? Yes, oh my god, I've got a note for this. Is this now or is it uh, slightly later? I'm not sure exactly when it is. It's at some point. It's slightly after this, but yeah, I saw it. It's just like, Who's that Pokemon? Who's that Pokemon? It's Butterfree. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's the last episode. And it just has to kick you one more time. It's just, why would they do this? It's just mean. The last episode, and they just have to kick me while I'm down one last time. Don't forget, Butterfree still disappeared. He's been in the opening theme every episode as well. For a split second, carrying Pikachu every time. I miss Butterfree. Oh dear. So, everybody gets dressed up in 
these i think they're kimonos i don't know but they're really nice dresses and more importantly misty has long hair now looking at the screenshots it doesn't make sense how her hair just got longer misty's hair is shoulder length at best but in this apparently she's wearing a wig that's the only way i can justify it her bobble magically makes her hair shorter also, one thing about side ponytails is how would they actually work unless you have lopsided hair? Yeah, it just looks cool because anime, right? We get shown the prizes, which I feel is the most extra part of this episode, is they have a platform which raises the prizes up out of the ground. Why? Why couldn't they just have the prizes on the stage instead of building a, a platform to lift them out of the ground? It doesn't serve a purpose. They're just there. The same effect could be revealed with a curtain. The dramatic effect isn't as good. Behind door number three, you have the curtains, which if you part, you find the trap door, which opens to lift up the prize. So weird. So all the girls need to battle to win these dolls, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, really bad, because it's just like all girls would want dolls. Okay, but they're fighting. I'm just more focused on the fighting part. The fighting's good. The fact that every girl on the planet wants dolls isn't good if you don't want them sell them they're probably the one of a kind just make some money with it it's not realistic though well when has pokemon ever been realistic but it's princess day so girly so girly so misty begs the gang to use their pokemon because i assume it's because she's only got water types and she wants a bit more diversity she wants to cheat it's cheating when she asks to use pokemon pikachu just immediately jumps over to her. She's like yes i will help you misty i will help you do the thing and i'm like yes pikachu is the best little bean i still don't like that misty's cheating she's not cheating really she's using pokemon i'd call it cheating but jesse also cheats then do you remember near the start of the series when she was like not using your own pokemon is basically cheating oh my god she did say that didn't she i suppose that's in official matches this is just a department store thing to win a photo with a guy but still the principle should still apply she has enough pokemon but what would horsey actually do can horsey even maneuver on land i don't know so yeah she she asks to use the pokemon because she really wants these dolls because she's the youngest of four so she's always had hand-me-downs and having something to yourself is important which i totally get because i'm the youngest of three so i always had like hand-me-down clothes for my brother and then i had uh, lots of things that we had to have that were shared i didn't really have too much stuff that was just for me but the stuff that was just for me was was quite special but then it's also why is there a tragic sub story about dolls because they need to give some emotional context to why they want to do this stuff because they can't just be like ash and be like i am here i do thing now suppose it kind of explains why misty has always been a bit of a tomboy because she hasn't had all the the, as as good stuff so she's kind of been a bit scrappy yeah i like that idea but yeah she gets to use pikachu bulbasaur vulpix and starmie which is a really good balanced team actually she's got the main types and pikachu which shows he's actually being tactical and planning things unlike ash who just goes in there and uses pikachu against a graveler because why not it'll work misty battles first and it's against a kingler and she uses bulbasaur which wins because type advantages and then we just see a little quick montage of all the pokemon she fights and there was a cubone in there which is important to me and then jesse's up and james says that she only has arbok to use and she's like no she doesn't and then he looks up and sees that she's stolen wheezing and then Meowth's like well you've only got two pokemon then and then she says uh he's forgotten something and they just stare at each other for the longest time and it's like oh yeah and he remembers that he's a pokemon 
Which, yeah, I kind of forget sometimes that he's actually a Pokemon. This is one of the funniest moments in the whole episode. She just, like, grabs him and flings him into battle against a, a Primeape, which she shouldn't do because normal type versus fighting type. And he immediately gets wiped out. And then Arbuck fights Primeape and wins by just using poison. And then it's just a little, just random cuts of, of everybody going up the pokemon ladder fighting all the pokemon and it's eventually essentially jesse and misty have to fight each other at the end i like how they're at the final bit and they both stood there about to fight and meowth and james are there in trench coats and meowth offers to take care of her whilst he's holding a gun it's amazing meowth is like do you want me to take care of you want to assassinate a child for dolls wow that's overkill team rocket were just really on form this episode so many costumes and good jokes. Like we've said before, though, they are the best. They are. So, as usual, Team Rocket's Pokemon all get evaporated by Pikachu. And then Jessie hasn't got any Pokemon left. And then she's like, oh, wait, I remember I called that Lickitung earlier. And she calls that out and it licks Pikachu and he's immediately paralysed and gets wiped out. Aren't electric Pokemon immune to paralysis? Not in Gen 1, maybe. I assume they're immune to electric paralysis, but not chemical paralysis. But not ew <laughs> paralysis. Ash decides to give Misty some advice and says that she should use Bulbasaur and that it should use Vine Whip to fight the tongue, which it tries and and fails because Lickitung will win. And then Vulpix also gets wiped out. Lickitung's amazing. Yeah, Lickitung's quite cool. Lickitung versus Starmie, or as it's supposed to be Starmie, but instead it's Psyduck. Psyduck. And Misty's super upset by this and like. It's like, no, I've basically lost. And then Lickitung uses Lick on it and it doesn't affect it at all because it's Psyduck and Psyduck's kind of oblivious to this sort of stuff. Psyduck's always just confused. And then Lickitung keeps licking it enough that it gets a headache and Psyduck uses Psychic and then just destroys Team Rocket. But I'm like, okay, but this is an official competition and they get blasted off a building. Why is no one concerned about this? What happens is Psyduck confuses Lickitung so that it extends its tongue... And then it rolls all the way back, hits itself in the face, launches itself along with Team Rocket off of the building and blasting off into the sky. And no one's concerned about them. I'm more concerned about how strong Lickitung's tongue is. Enough to launch so many people into the air. Several people and Pokemon into the sky. So Misty wins and it cuts to just the dolls being packaged up and shipped off back to the gym because they could have sold it for money or something but no she's got the dolls even though she's not ever gonna be near them because she's traveling with this child and then the italian guy invites her back to his apartment he does no they never meet oh yeah no like she never gets the photo with him or anything he's just was there for some reason had like three lines and that's it i liked the commentator that was next to the italian guy I think he's the one who does the voice of uh, the commentator in Pokemon Stadium on N64. He also did some great impersonations of Pokemon where he just became the Pokemon. Like Oddish. He becomes an Oddish. It's great. And then it cuts to Team Rocket and Jessie is just destroyed because she didn't get any dolls. But James and Meowth come over to console her. It's like, oh, we're really sorry that you didn't get the dolls, but we can be your dolls if you want. And they're dressed as these these dolls. And it's really sweet because Team Rocket are just the best people. And then Jesse just says, we're all just living dolls. And it's so creepy. Yeah, they're all just like giant people doll things. It's such an odd and creepy ending. Like It's not the usual sort of jokey meta thing. It's just weird. It's very weird. <laughs> 
the delivery as well is just so upsetting. It sounds like she needs help. It's a scary ending to the episode. What was your favourite thing? Licky tongue. Yeah, I, my, my favourite thing is like how Jesse just caught a licky tongue out of nowhere. It's better than Ash, who I don't think has caught anything since Krabby. He's done nothing for the past 20 episodes. <laughs> it's probably more like 30 at this point. Oh no, it was episode 30, wasn't it, where he got the sixth gym badge. So it's nearly 25 episodes. I will rant about it in our next ish episode because i've tried to keep away from the fact that this is all filler and stuff i'm trying to enjoy it for what it is but it's filler it is i thought the first half of the episode was kind of just girls and pink and stuff but it was like meh the second half was interesting because it's like a women only tournament granted it's to win dolls but it was nice to see the people who don't really get the spotlight in pokemon getting the spotlight i mean ash did so little in this episode i think that's why i liked it it focused on misty and jesse and team rocket more than anything which is always a good thing and it had some actual battling going on. Even if it was just silly, like, licky-tongue licks to win. Cool. Anything else, or shall we move on? I think this could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I, 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 it could have been. It had plenty funny moments still. Even if it also had a lot of just bad, sexist points. It was all very much, oh, it's a girl's day, so now they all have to get pink and fight each other for clothes. Like, that's the garbage part of the episode. The good part is the fighting and Team Rocket... Now it's time for Mono A Mono, where we'll talk about the similarities and differences in these episodes. So, let's start with our Monsters of the Week. Your monster? I'm going to say Patamon, because I always love Patamon, and I like TK and Patamon's goodbye. I thought that was so cute, though, just... <laughs> Wait, why are you crying? Because you're crying. But I'm crying because you're crying. Can we just stop crying, then? Okay. Patamon's adorable. I think my monster will be probably Lickitung, maybe... No, I don't want it to just be because it's the new monster. I think, okay, it's going to be between Palmon and Gomamon. I think, actually, I'm going to I'm gonna pick Palmon because of the doesn't want to say goodbye, so I'm going to run away. And then at the last second, realise, oh, God, I made a mistake. Oh, no, oh, God, Mimi, Mimi, I love you. And she's like, oh, God, it's okay. I totally understand. I don't know what Mimi and Palmon would have said to each other if they were just given the time. They would have cried and then had a little sentimental moment. But I, I like the way they ended it, though, just being like, oh, my God, we didn't say anything. We did a bad thing. <laughs> We were so dumb, we were so dumb, it's okay. Which episode do you think had the best storyline? Digimon had so little of a storyline, and it was basically just wrap-up. He kind of have to go with Pokemon, because it had a storyline. It was all about this day and stuff, and, and then there was the tournament. So yeah, I'm going to say Pokemon had the better storyline, even though I like the bits in Digimon, because it was essentially just a small period of time that passed. Similarities? Eh? Yeah, I know. There just really weren't any... I think the girls got more limelight than usual. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. In Digimon, instead of being relegated to just background characters, every female character got the same amount of time as every male character did. Okay, a similarity could be that they shifted focus in both episodes. So it wasn't all about Ash, and it wasn't all about essentially Ty and Matt. It was everybody working together and Misty and Jesse. Any other similarities? I can't really think of any. I can do differences. We can talk a lot about differences. There's lots different between these episodes. Shall we go on to differences then? Yeah, obviously the difference is being that the adventure has ended. This is the full arc. This is all of it. This is open and close the story. And with Pokemon, it's just another filler episode. Nothing's happened in Pokemon for half a season. Pretty much. And with Digimon, it's all been like, would you say that there's been filler? There's been maybe five episodes. There's so much more to the story and Ash is still faffing about. It's not even really about the Pokemon. When was the last time he had a battle? Like a proper battle, not versus Team Rocket? I don't know. 
And when was that last? Like when was the battle where he hasn't used po- uh, Pikachu to use Thunderbolt or whatever to get rid of Team Rocket? I can't remember who the last person he fought was that wasn't Team Rocket. It's all just so whimsy and flight of fancy. But anyway, we're supposed to be talking about these episodes. <laughs> okay, so there was a lot more emotion in Digimon where they were saying goodbye and everything and in Pokemon there wasn't any they gave us a token backstory of oh we both didn't have these dolls but now we want these dolls for why you didn't know they were a thing until you found out they were being announced there was also with Pokemon it just it did feel kind of whimsical whilst in Digimon there was a lot more serious issues to be discussed like you know the fact that they almost all got wiped out completely and then there's okay you've got to say goodbyes because you're disappearing in two hours whilst in pokemon it was just like oh yeah it's a day where we can relax and just celebrate women and buy things and and now there's a tournament yay fun fun times which was good i mean i guess we'll never see the stuff that misty bought because why would we she's still gonna say wear the same outfit forever she can't carry all this stuff with her forever any more differences or or is that it <laughs> there's not too much we can really talk about without delving into the show as a whole yeah we're, we're saving that for a proper special because there'll be a lot to talk about yeah i don't think i've got anything that's coming to mind cool which episode did you enjoy the most it's completely arbitrary because no matter what digimon's won so yeah but I, I enjoyed them both but i think digimon's was more due to the nostalgia than anything else so i can't really credit it the point for that Actually, that's a similarity. One similarity is that the first half of each episode was kind of meh, and then it got to a good second half. Yeah, I guess. It changed tone, actually, because the first half of both episodes were like, with Pokemon, it was chilling out and doing whatever. And then the first half, Digimon was fighting the big bad guy. And then the second half, it turned into Pokemon having fights. And the, and then the um, in Digimon, it was just chilling out and whatever. So that's a similarity, but also a difference kind of flip the script on each other yeah i think for the sake of it i kind of want to give pokemon the point because it was a good episode focused on women and stuff it was a really funny episode this is one of the filler episodes that haven't bothered me i quite liked it it was quite good i liked the the tournament and i liked the battling and everything and jesse got a pokemon on a whim taking the episodes out on their own i think pokemon was better because without all of the 53 episodes leading up to this episode of digimon you wouldn't really feel anything at all of the goodbyes because you'd have no idea what had gone on. Digimon kind of relies on you having all this backstory. Pokemon, it's kind of like finger food. You can just pick up an episode randomly and watch it. You won't really need to know too much. Cool, so that means the score is like... 28-26 to Digimon. Digimon has won. <laughs> won two episodes ago. Apart from the fact that Pokemon has like another 80 episodes or something, which we don't count. We will be talking about it. But we'll talk more about everything and the overall scores in a another episode yep we'll do a special summary episode but for now join us again next time where we'll be looking back on all of digimon adventure and most of pokemon indigo league we're gonna do that you can listen to more of us on soundcloud itunes or stitcher where we're like getting reviews and comments and you can message us via our facebook twitter tumblr with the world thread and email which are all linked in the show notes and you can support me on patreon if you'd like to be super duper nice Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next exciting episode of Dragon Ball Z. Bye. Bye. Butterfree, Primeape, almost Pikachu. Goodbye, Butterfree. Goodbye, Primeape. Goodbye, almost Pikachu.
to the Modcast. <laughs> you sounded so like, hello. Hello. Just us. <laughs> Just us. We're here to do that thing again. As the kids defeat Apocalymon. Apocalymon? Why does that sound weird to me? I don't know. Is it Apocalymon? Apocalymon. 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 I think it's because I've written it so much that it just looks, looks weird to me. Okay. <clears throat> As the kids defeat Apocalymon, it still sounds weird to me. <laughs> Apocaly. Apocaly. It just sounds like a weird word. Okay. <clears throat> As the kids defeat Apocalymon and the digital world gets restored, they start... <laughs> it's good. And also it's a good harmonica song. It's his song. It's a good... It's cool. I'm, it's a good... <laughs> It's a good good show. Oh my god, that's at the end of Rick and Morty. I know. I've watched like two seasons of it. Good. (laughs) The Italian guy was so weird. It was. He had the worst voice. Well, apart from Butch. He was there for like no reason. It's so weird. Like, can you tell me what exactly um, he does? Like, what's he for in this episode? He's next to the commentator, and he says things with a bad Italian accent. Doesn't do anything. <laughs> What's he for? He's just kind of there. I don't even remember his name. It was that dumb. Oh my god, his name is uh, something Cappuccino. Yeah. Uh, his name is Fiorella Cappuccino. Oh my god. <laughs> it's okay. I have a segment to talk about this. What is Fiorello? A name. Is it? Yes. I don't believe you. Oh, that's a weird phrase. Lickitung's tongue paralyzes Pokemon. Lickitung's tongue. Lickitung. Lickitung's tongue. Tongu. Paralyze. Lickitung's tongue paralyzes Pokemon.